Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story. We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio. And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hi, Holly. Hi. We're back for season two officially. Do we sound the same as we did in season two, or are we new people? (laughs) I don't know. I don't feel like a new person. Although I guess I did. I did have surgery. So in the meantime, that's that's like being new. Yeah. I was trying to think like, where were we? Where were we at when we recorded the finale? And it seems like so long ago. It really was just what, like three months ago? I guess so. Yeah, like two or three months ago. Uh, it does seem like a long time ago, but mm-hmm. here we are um, coming into June. Yes, halfway Pride through month. 2023. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's kind of hard to believe. And yeah, Pride Month. Yay! Um, <laughs> so what's been happening with you? I have been honestly suffering from a good bit of burnout lately um Mm -hmm. if you were listening on season one my career i'm just having like you know a a bit of a, a weird time right now and i'm trying to just give myself grace and like let myself do fun things. So I started rewatching like all these old shows, like a few weeks ago, I was like, I, these are not guilty pleasures. Like I don't feel guilty. I'm just, so I started rewatching like Jersey shore. I watched all the episodes of Jersey shore. Then after that, yeah, I had a fun time rewatching that. And then I moved over to Floribama Shore. However, there weren't a ton of episodes. Uh, I watched all those like when they were on TV, but there weren't a ton on Hulu. And I took a very sharp left turn and am now watching Dawson's (laughs) Creek for the first time ever. I've never seen it. Okay, it's so funny because I think, um, okay, Dawson's Creek came out in 1998. I was in eighth grade. Okay. I was not allowed to watch Dawson's Creek and watching it now. I can see why, because let me tell you, there is something up with these kids in Cape side, Massachusetts. Like they are doing everything bad drugs, sex sex and drugs. Their parents are having affairs. They're sleeping with their teachers. I mean, (gasps) I'm like, when I watched season one, I was shook. I was like, what? The kids are not okay. That's how I felt whenever I was watching Pretty Little Liars. I was like, this was not my high school experience. (laughs) So I finished watching. So there's six seasons. I finished watching season one. I'm about halfway through season two right now. The only other like teen drama that I've seen is the OC. And I just watched that like maybe four years ago. I did not watch it like while it was on TV. But this is seems a little bit different than the OC in terms of like just the stuff that's happening in the in the episodes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. However, Joshua Jackson is still 
fine as hell. I don't think I know who that is. I'll have to Google him. um, Well, he was on Mighty Ducks. So if you were (laughs) a child of the 80s and 90s, um, he was Charlie on Mighty Ducks. And I think he's not like Mm -hmm. my first childhood crush, but like one of them. And watching him in Dawson's Creek is still delightful um, because his character is like a little bit of like the bad boy Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. And the other thing I like about the show is the music. It is a freaking time capsule. Yeah. Because they've got like all the 90s hits. The episode I was just watching before we hopped on here, Rachel Lee Cook was in it from She's All That. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh. What yeah. happened to her? I don't know. We'll have to look her up. She she we thought that she was gonna be the thing. That's funny. That's my like bit of joy. I am loving it. And then someone at work told me that I need to watch Felicity next. So I guess that's what I'm watching next. I haven't seen that either. Nope, me either. (laughs) Have you seen, I don't remember if you watch, oh yeah, you watched season one of Yellow Jackets, but you haven't watched season two. Yeah, I haven't watched season two yet. Yeah, I got to get in the right place for that. It's so good. It's insane. Like, I knew I would like it, and I was waiting until I had surgery to watch it because I was I knew I would need to be entertained for a few days while I was recovering. Yeah. And that was the perfect show to be entertained with because, like, I had all of season two and, like, I mean, all of season one and half of season two to watch. Mm-hmm. And I literally spent, like, that Saturday and Sunday just consumed, and it's amazing. Yeah. I watched season one pretty much in one day. I was like, I'll watch an episode and see if I like it. And then I watched seven episodes in one day and I was going to wait. I remember because I watched that on a Sunday and I was like, I'll wait till the weekend to finish up because I didn't want to watch it. Like when I was before going to bed, no, I stayed up and watched it before (laughs) going to bed and like slept with the lights on because I was so scared. You are a scaredy cat. That's so funny. I am, but it's so good. Like some stuff is worth it to me. Yeah. Which that show is worth it to me, but yeah, it's, it's scared me. Yeah. Well, I've mentioned my surgery a couple of times. Um, I did have surgery, I guess what, like about a month ago. It was very low key. I'm not giving people the details because it's in a private area. That's all I will say. But it was it was pretty low key surgery, um, not yeah. very painful afterwards. And I started boxing again today, so I'm feeling pretty recovered oh, at this point. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started yoga probably two weeks ago, and then started boxing again today. So I'm feeling good and ready to be active again. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt really good to just punch it out. Yeah, I bet. Just fucking punch. Because I love my little stand-up boxing thing. You've seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how are so, things with the uh, yoga studio? How's your biz? It's actually good. So, like, I think last time it was still kind of rocky. And I'm not saying that we're, like, in the clear by any means. But over the past two months or three months, however long it's been, things have really picked up. I kind of decided to switch gears, you know, because like it's online, you know, the actual studio itself, as far as like our live classes go. Mm -hmm. But 
I've always had a couple on-site classes around Austin and I decided, you know, the online stuff is going to take like a huge marketing effort, which I'm just not able to do myself and financially (laughs) there to pay someone else to do. So I decided to lean in to Austin. Um, Yeah. Anytime I move to a new place, it takes me a little while to really lean in because like, I I just, I, I think I have like, a fear that I'll like get connected and then end up having to move again, you know? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that was part of the hesitancy, but yeah, I leaned in, um, I picked up a couple more apartment complexes and I started working through the Austin LGBT chamber of commerce directory. Cause I'm a member of that mm-hmm. and just started reaching out to people. Hey, I'm also a member. If you want to support a local gay business, I would love to teach yoga and I've picked up a few of those. So I'm just keeping that momentum going. We're not in the black yet, but we're a hell of a lot closer than we were a few months ago. So I haven't had to, yeah, I haven't had to transfer money to the studio's bank account in like probably a month and a half. So that's a good feeling. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So don't you love that? Oh, it's really been like a big relief because it was always a stressor because money is the worst and yeah like it was just it was really tight so now we're just catching up on debt that i accumulated in the meantime (laughs) sweet (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah all the the business owners listening are nodding along i'm Mm -hmm. sure Uh living on a prayer and credit cards i think is what um chelsea said something like that yeah i need that on my Uh, t-shirt right now (laughs) (laughs) well how's i guess we talk about it if you want to or not but how's the job search going and how's your job going yeah so i'm still working um at my part-time retail job um it's just one of those things where like i feel like every day i feel different about it because it's like on the one hand it's it's really hard like i just sometimes struggle to show up every day because mm-hmm. I feel like I spend so much time there, but my paycheck is really small, but a paycheck is still a paycheck. And I don't, you know, it's like, I do have a few freelance clients, but I just don't have a ton of work with them. So it doesn't make a lot of financial sense to stop working my retail job as much as I want to. Um, I do kind of think like I'll, there will come a time when I may just quit before it makes financial sense, just because maybe I do need to show the universe that like I'm ready, but I just Mm -hmm. haven't, Mm -hmm. I haven't quite gotten to that point yet. The job search has been incredibly rough. Like I think I, be probably in the time that we last recorded, I have easily applied to 300 jobs. Like I'm averaging usually a hundred jobs a month applying and the market is just, it's really hard because I only know a few other people that are looking for jobs right now. And I feel like people that aren't looking for jobs don't understand like how awful Mm -hmm. it is right now. You know, I'm an Enneagram three. We are like, we care like what people think about us. And so this time has just been really hard for me because people not understanding that like the market is hard. I feel like people think that I can't get a job, you know? Right. 
Yeah. That's been like one of the hardest things for me. Um, aside from just the time it takes to apply to all these jobs. Um, and then when you go on the interview, like I feel so much pressure to like do perfect because this could be my only opportunity to get a job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're in June now and I need to kind of change. I, I've been sort of changing it up every month that passes that I'm not really seeing like any change and I feel don't feel like I'm getting any step closer. I try and like change it up a little. So I feel like right now I'm probably just going to focus on finding more contract work just because I um, feel so overwhelmed. And like mm-hmm. I was telling somebody like, like I'll see a job that sounds like a full-time job that sounds exciting and interesting. But when I go to apply, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like I cannot tell you like how tired I am of like, parsing my resume Mm -hmm. and typing it out and then filling out the voluntary form about I'm a female. I'm not a protected veteran. Like, I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, I feel like my enthusiasm is just like gone. Um, God forbid they have a shitty ATS system, applicant tracking system that doesn't actually parse your resume properly. And you have to copy and paste all that shit. I have memorized what month and day yeah. I started at every job, what month and day mm-hmm. I ended every job. Like, it's just like, oh my gosh, it is so awful. Yeah. So I think I'll just focus on contract work for the time being and see like where that, where that gets me just to help make the ends meet. And I have been, you know, continuing to work on my Etsy shop, which that does bring me like a lot of joy. I started an Instagram for it so that hopefully I can build like mm-hmm. a super following for my shop. And I'm really excited about that um, because I feel like I have so much fun posting the pictures of the stuff that I make on my personal Instagram, but I feel like that's not really my audience. Yeah. Um, so I want people to follow me that are like interested in that kind of stuff. So Bitter Lemon Digital. Bitter Lemon Digital. I'm just so excited that Bitter Lemon has a social following. Because <laughs> like, like I, I'm like, it's never been there before. So now, now well, it's official. Well, I was like thinking about it for my hairdresser who we had on season one, Alexis. Mm-hmm. She suggested like, make a separate Instagram for your Etsy shop. And when she said it, I was like, oh, because I right. just like social media. It takes so much work, you know? Yeah, I get it. But then for like, a month I was just kept thinking about it and I'm like you know because right now I feel like I'm really only attracting Etsy shoppers Mm -hmm. you know it does come up in Google search but it's mostly like Etsy so I'm like I need to reach people outside of that so when I went and checked Instagram and saw that the handle was available I was like okay (laughs) take that So yeah, um, it's, it's doing actually pretty good though. Like I feel like, um, in December, December was like my highest revenue month. And I brought in like 250 between 250 and 300, something like that. And then every month after that, it's been like around a hundred or 150, which. Oh yeah. That's nice. little extra money. I mean, prior 
it's it's like I know it doesn't sound like much, but we're talking about a shop that like prior to me being laid off, I maybe sold one item a month and they're two dollars. So it went from making two to five dollars a month to now we're regularly raking in like forty dollars a week. So that's really cool. It's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I just hit four hundred sales um like a week ago. So Okay, big timer. 400 sale. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that that's going well. It's exciting. It, it's always nice if you like put effort into something and then it actually works. You know, yes. that's I think that's how I felt with the local stuff. I'm like, oh my God, finally something is like coming back around. You know, I feel I feel like that's what it is. Like, yes, of course, like the money is like a little cherry on top but like really I feel like these are things that I created out of my brain and now people perfect strangers like see them and buy them my goal is really to create stuff that like brings people joy in their offline life that's like my little tagline like you know creating downloads for your offline life and it's like encouraging people to go outside, spend time with their family, try new things, relax. Like that makes me really happy that like, if that really did encourage someone to do that, that's awesome. I love that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Other than work, which has been insane. I think like we, we basically had like our tax season of recruiting, like all of a sudden at work, we had like, I don't even know a hundred jobs to fill or something. I need to look back and see how many people we've hired over the past three months, but it was mm-hmm. kind of fortunate that we, we took a break when we did because work just amped up and it yeah. just, we just came around the other side of that hill. So kind of taking a breather right now and catching up on stuff. Cause it was insane. But Zelda, the new Zelda game also came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after my surgery so (laughs) that was nice that was very nice and that has also kept me busy that's like been all of my spare time I was doing a really good job reading and now it's all Zelda (laughs) okay but you know I was I just I've been reading like a self-improvement book like in right when I wake up I spend like 20 minutes read like one chapter of a self-improvement book and I today just finished reading this book called burnout yeah and um one of the things they talked about was like the importance of rest and they went through all the different types of rest. And they said that, you know, one of them is activities like playing games, like where your brain is not like fully engrossed in a, in a work task, but it's like a, I guess maybe like a passive task. Um, Mm -hmm. And they were saying how that's something that can help with burnout because like our bodies were never made to, our bodies and our minds were never made to do one task for too long of a time. It was meant to oscillate between task work, passive, mindless, quote unquote, activity, sleep, sleep types of rest, and then go back again, like, like a fan. So that's good. I know like whenever I, um, like I'll go through phases where I play like Sims or Candy Crush mm-hmm. and I always like, I really like relish when I can do that because I feel like yeah. it is. That's what got me through college. Um, Cause like you, I was working full time, going to school full time. Mm-hmm. Like it's insane. Yeah. And like, I've always been a gamer, but 
you know, that would be like my release. And like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I would only sleep a few hours a night, but I was like, I need, like, do I need six hours of sleep or do I need like an hour or two of video games and then some sleep, you know, yeah. I was always like a bargaining and I was like, I have to get some kind of like mental release. And that was usually my mental release during school was video games. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's fun. You did do some reading like in our. Oh yeah. I have been an avid reader until Zelda came out. <laughs> um, and then my friend Danae peer pressured me and like my core group of high school friends into reading a series called Akatar. Um, and it's like this like fantasy series about like how there is like this fairyland, but they're not like delicate fairies. They're like badass, we will cut you fairies. Uh-huh. Um and so it's like the fairies in the human land, and then there's like war and stuff like that. And so we have just been engrossed in the series, and there's, it's kind of smutty sometimes. So there's some okay. nice little little sexual things going on. But yeah, there's like five books out right now, and it's kind of like whenever Harry Potter was released for me, I just like couldn't put it down. I was like, oh my god, yeah. I need to know what happens next. So I'm on like book four right now. And put it down whenever Zelda came out, but I need to pick it back up. But like I kind of passed up some of the other people in our reading club because uh, we have a book club for it too. So I'm like waiting for them to catch up and then I'll start reading again. Okay. But it's been nice to get back to reading. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is nice. Yeah. Well, we have an amazing guest to kick off season two, um, Georgia. Yeah who I've known, like, I mean, we probably met, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. We talk about it in the podcast episode, but she's always been one of my favorite people and one of the funniest people I've ever met. And just, like, going back and editing the episode, I was like, dear God, like, that was so (laughs) funny. So I'm really excited that this is our first episode because, like, we were just laughing nonstop the whole time. She's such a hoot. Um, we went to her, her comedy show, like talk about her comedy show and the episode. And we went to it after the episode. And just as funny, like we were just like dying the whole time. It was so good. Yes. I felt like I haven't laughed like that in such a long time. And even when yeah. I the next day, I felt like I, my throat was like sore from laughing. <laughs> <laughs> God, it was so good. And like, it was just such a treat to actually be able to see her live because she's in New York City now. Oh, wow. Since we talked to her, she's moved from Atlanta to New York City. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It'll, you know, this episode is obviously airing in Pride Month. And yep. not only did we get to see Georgia, who is a member of the LGBT community, but everyone at the comedy night was like all the yes, that's performers. True. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a gay comedy night. It, but I forget too, but it was we like should, a, it was a funny name. <laughs> we should go back because it it was it's like a monthly thing that they do. Yeah. Um, but we should go back because they, they were really funny. It was a good night. Cool. I'm excited for people to hear this one and get to know Georgia. Um I remember when we recorded it, it was like storming where she was. So yes, there was a a, a moment where the, the audio cut out because her 
She had to switch her phone or something. Um, <laughs> but we've recovered. Yeah, and speaking of pride, I could have mentioned at the beginning, I do have like a pride yoga class for a company that actually is celebrating Pride Month and wanted to like bring in a gay yoga class for their all employees, but you know, obviously supporting their LGBT employees. So if anyone else wants to do that, let me know. (laughs) Here's my shameless plug. Um, But I love, I love doing that. It's cool. But yes, y'all enjoy Georgia. She is phenomenal. And I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks because your belly's going to hurt. That's all I have to say. You're going to get kicked out real fast. You're going to get kicked out real fast. Stella, you're going to get kicked out. Hey, stop it. (sighs) Georgia. Hello. Hi. There she is. How are you? Hi, Holly. Hi, Derek. Look at you. You look so official. Oh, (laughs) I know, and like the lipstick matches the shirt. Does it? Oh, thank you. It's called Rich Auntie from the Lip Bar. I love it. It's at Target. (laughs) What is the name of the show? I was looking all over and I was like, what did I agree to? Oh my God. (laughs) It's Small Business Happy Hour. Oh, good. I was late because I was trying to fix my wine. I wish we had a funny, like, inappropriate name to just spout off to you right now. <laughs> Small business happy hour? Small business happy hour, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the goal is to... <laughs> I'm ready. Welcome. Yeah, so we interview... Um, I mean, we call it small business happy hour, but it's entrepreneurs as well, you know, Um, and we try to get creative with who we define as a small business owner or an entrepreneur, you know, like we interviewed Holly's hairstylist, you know, because that's an entrepreneur, right? Booth rent. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to give anybody else a portion. Yeah. It's generally (laughs) like do-gooders, do-gooder, like do-gooders that need a platform is what I feel like our real mission is. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Are you both in Texas? Yes, we're both in Austin. So oh, if good. You come next I, week. I'm I'm there. I'm there on Tuesday. Um yeah. yeah, I just don't know what time um the audition is. But so, I'm there. I'm I'm on a wing and a prayer. Let's go. <laughs> tell, tell Holly what you're coming in for. I am coming to audition for South by Southwest comedy. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I've never been to Austin. I've never okay. been to South by Southwest. And I did not know what a big deal. <laughs> yeah. South the comedy by. portion was. I know the business, like tech, music, but I did not know that comedy was a big deal. <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, because mm-hmm. the first time I ever came to Austin was for South by. Um, when I lived in Louisiana, I like went with a couple of friends we road tripped and wanted to do the music portion of it and then when I like graduated from college and got a job I had you know colleagues that were like I'm going to South by and I didn't know it was like a tech thing I thought it was just music so it's funny <laughs> that there's like all it's it's also t- there's a tv side of it like it's huge 
Yeah. I thought it was just music. I literally had no idea it was anything else. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't been, obviously. So yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it happened That's really. Awesome. It happened really quick. Like somebody told me about the audition. They said I recommended you, and I, I like reached out, and they were like, "Hey, if you can be here for the audition and be here for, I think the performance is on the 14th." Anyway, I like just got laid off like a month ago. Oh, okay. Like I don't know what you know. I just moved on it, and a place opened up. Derek, you would ask me where I was staying, and um, one of my childhood friends is taking me in. He's like, "Yeah, you got come through him and his That's wife." Awesome. <laughs> So where do you live right now? Atlanta. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. I'm, I may end up coming through Atlanta at some point because um, we have an office for my company, not Yoga for All Humans. Oh, okay. Because um, I have a full-time job as well. And we have an office right outside of Atlanta. So if I end up there for like a career fair or something, I'll hit you up. Let me know. Um, I'm on my way out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've done my time. I'm graduating. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but Georgia is going to try to pick up a stand up or two while she's here, Holly. Mm-hmm. So if she does, she's going to let me know. And yeah. I'm just going to hit you up to come with me. Yeah. Right. Ooh, that'd be sick. Yeah. I'm just waiting to hear back from some folks. Um, you know, it's very last minute, but I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, let's live for the dream. See what happens. There you go. Yeah. There you go. All righty. Well, how do I know Georgia? Um, that's kind of a funny story, I think. Do you remember when we met Georgia? When we met, nowhere, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I meant, because I don't remember when it was either. Um, so Georgia and I met at my parents' bed and breakfast. And how do you know my mom? I forget how you know my mom. I was a producer in Shreveport and I was doing a a series called On the Road where we showcase different cities uh, in the (laughs) Arklatex. And I was doing a showcase in Natchitoches and I must have met your mom on the Cane River. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she just makes immediate friends with anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) She loves making friends friends. with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I came in town for like a family thing, like like my aunt and my cousins and stuff were there for something. I don't even remember what it was, but we were all just hanging out in the bed and breakfast. And my mom was like, this is Georgia. You'll love her. And then like went somewhere else. And so me and Georgia were left to entertain all the children. because they were like, It was like eight years like, ago. You know that, right? It was. It's like it nine, was. eight or nine years. Because that That's little, crazy. Like, you know, nine, 10 year old boy that we were entertaining is now like in college. So there you go. <laughs> That's amazing how ta- how time travel works because I am the same age. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. Oh my god! But I loved Georgia from the second I met her. I still consider you Likewise. one of the funniest people I know. So, oh, thank you so much. Okay, and we never covered our drinks. I saw Georgia has looks like Georgia has red wine. Yes, the, this is a, club. a red from Target. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is not sponsored by Target, unfortunately. My girlfriend walked across the street. We're, we have like a bad weather where it's like a tornado watch. Oh I was like, maybe you shouldn't walk. And she was like, I want chocolate. And I was like, can you give me some wine? Like, I was, I was trying to save her life. And I was like, if you're going to risk it, get me yeah. wine. Yeah. Please give yeah. me some wine. I just noticed your earrings. Those are so cute. Uh-oh. Do you see that, Holly? Yeah, yeah, they're like little notebooks. <laughs> Yeah, a little com- what are those called? Composite notebooks? Is that right? Composition, Composition books. Composition, yeah. close. Okay. Yeah, my best friend is in elementary school, the pages. Okay. Just spilled my guts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Holly, what are you drinking? I made a little lemon drop. Okay. 
That's fancy. So Holly used to be a bartender. Um, what was your cocktail story? You said you had a funny cocktail story, Holly. Honestly, I I keep all my wine and like the liquor that uh, like anything that comes in a bottle, it's kind of shaped like a wine bottle. I just keep it all in like a wine rack. I have like a wine rack built into my island and that's just where I keep everything unless it doesn't fit in there. And I made this cocktail totally sober. I didn't even take a sip of it and then proceeded to put the lemon vodka back in there without the lid on. Oh, no. And you know how it's like slanted? I just realized like all of it was like pouring out of the bottle. And I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't put the cap on all the way. Cap sitting on the counter. Didn't even try. Didn't even try. to. <laughs> I was like, okay, first of all, made a mess. Second of all, all this vodka that I just. That's so sad. Up, I yeah. I considered just like licking the floor at that point. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Hopefully Blanche didn't. Blanche is her cat. Oh. <laughs> She'll be like, hmm. Are you also and drinking do, a red? Oh. I do have red wine. Yes. Is um, there a toast or do we? Yeah, let's go. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> are we yeah, recording? The, is this the We are. This is it. Yeah, we're, we're already started. Yeah. <laughs> The joke, the running joke is that I always drink red wine and mm. I try to like branch out and make cocktails. And I did try to make a cocktail today because yeah. oh. I was, I was going to do a champagne Cosmo was my idea, but I think the champagne was flat because mm. I like opened it on Monday for my birthday and didn't finish it. And it just wasn't good. So I dumped it out and I have, I have wine instead. But what I've decided is I'm going to quit trying to be a cocktail person because mm-hmm. I know why I'm a wine person. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to do a different wine every week. So this is wine with a Santa hat. Um, <laughs> Fitvine, have you ever had this? Fitvine? Fitvine, if you would like to sponsor us. So <laughs> this is like my go-to, but I'm going to try to get a different one every week to talk about it. I like okay. Fitvine. This is Pinot Noir, which is what I usually do. And it's like, there's like no added sugars because I don't like my wine too sweet. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like this one. And then it's also less calories, which I mean, it's whatever. I don't really care about that part. But if anyone cares about calories and wine, it's a good one. Okay. Now you've committed to red wine. Wow. Yeah. Did you see the puppy? I saw something move and I told myself not to be alarmed. (laughs) That was a puppy. (laughs) It's not my house. You know, I was like, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Well, Georgia, thank you so much for joining us. Um, My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. I mean, off the top, I would just love to hear you tell us a little bit about yourself because you have quite the journey of of life. Um, Because I feel like you're my age, right? Like mid to upper 30s. Who, me? Yeah. (laughs) Am I being carded? Because that is the pop quiz. A guy asked me today, are you 21? And I was like, Yes. Barely. <laughs> Why do you ask? <laughs> I absolutely am 21. Uh, I am Georgia from Florida, uh, but I live in Atlanta. So uh, most likely to be a Republican. Uh, but I am the purpose producer. I started out in TV, local news, network news, and I've been in Atlanta the last seven years, uh, really embarking on my entrepreneurial journey 
Uh, I came here to do a talk show. Um, and then I had this spiritual awakening, also known as a nervous breakdown. Uh, mm. <laughs> that was like really like my wake up call to my gifts, really. I uh, ended up writing a book in eight days and publishing at 90. And then I started a media company all the same year. All the same year. I was mm. like, I'm going to do all this stuff. Um, and so I started Georgia Dawkins Media, uh, where I consult uh, with brands and private clients on um you know, just brand, not brand identity, because I want, I'm not like branding, uh, but on their, their messaging for television, you know, so booking interviews, getting their, getting like local interviews and national interviews, um, as well as just like some media coaching, helping people build confidence on camera. Yeah. And now I do comedy. I have had seven careers in the last seven years. I'm very proud. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming you went to school for like media production, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to uh, Florida A&M University. It's a historically black college in Tallahassee, Florida. And I studied broadcast journalism. Um, And yeah, I got my first job as a freshman. Uh, I was hired to work at ABC News for the summer. Um, And so that was cool. Cool fellowship. I got to work with like Charles Gibson and Diane Soria before before they retired and Robin Roberts, George Stephanopoulos, like just as a kid with no degree, (laughs) just running around. Uh, And I did that for, for three years while I was in school. So every summer I would go to New York and work at ABC. I am really curious about the production. Um, I was looking at your website and I I am a writer. And so I think for me, at least, like I'm sort of coming into this space where I'm doing, trying to learn more about screenwriting and learning. I'm learning a lot about, you know, production, just like how it all fits together. And I think production is so overlooked. I don't know if you have, if you want to speak to that or just like the importance of good production or things that you learned along the way. But I just think that's such a vital part of anything we see in the movies or on TV, on the news, anything. Yeah, I'm such a production snob uh, that a lot of times I will get in my own way because I won't like the production quality of something that I did and then Uh I won't post it because it's not good enough. So like we're our biggest critics, right? And so while I believe in the value of production, production value, I also believe that the message is more important, that it's more important to just get it out there. So that's kind of what I do with my company, like, you know, working for networks and other production companies, the production value is most important. But what I get to do as a small business owner is help other business owners, other small business owners, you know, kind of curate their messaging and practice for those interviews and not only booking uh, media opportunities, but a lot of my clients want to be hosts. (laughs) They want to be reoccurring folks on on TV. Um, So I just try to remind people about, you know, the why of it all. Why are you doing this? Because honestly, I have people who come to me and they want to start a podcast overnight. They want to start overnight. It doesn't, you don't have it developed a thing. You don't know how often you want to publish it. Is she back? Yeah. She's back. Hey guys, we can you worried. Yeah. We can. Oh we yeah. That you got no, blown it away. just... I don't know where yeah. I dropped out, Holly. So, you, you know, whatever you guys were need. talking about, um, we were talking about like production value versus the messaging. And you were saying that you have clients that, or you have, you've met people that want to like launch a podcast overnight without even thinking about it. That's, I think that's where you dropped out. Yeah. They want to launch overnight, whether it's a podcast or like a web series, or they want to book, you know, uh, a main, a major talk show without doing the work first. 
Like you need to do like other interviews and other development to build your portfolio and be able to even like build a reel to get to that next opportunity. So when it comes to like, you know, just doing a podcast, people think all you need is a name, a co-host, and a microphone from Amazon. And that's not (laughs) the case. You need more development. You need more development. Like what is your intention for this show? Who do you want to reach with this show? Um, how often can they expect, like, these are the questions that all the platforms that you distribute on, they're going to ask these questions. But more importantly, you're building an appetite for your audience. How do you intend to continue to build that appetite with just posting, you know, one podcast episode a week or a month or whatever? Like, you got to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. I'll get off my soapbox. I feel like... I don't mean <laughs> that's why we asked you to come on for you to for you to talk about whatever you want yeah. to talk about no, and it's, it's honestly, your space it's so interesting that you bring that up because Derek and I talk about it with other about other industries too like for me as a writer I'll have people say like oh like you have a blog I'm gonna launch a blog and like be a millionaire overnight and I'm like oh okay I didn't know it was that easy or Derek <laughs> you know Derek is a yoga instructor and he said that people think sometimes being a yoga instructor is like a get rich a way to get rich quick and Derek's like is it I didn't know like I feel like in every industry people just think it's like oh like that People think that living in Atlanta puts me closer to Tyler Perry and that I'm going to just <laughs> run into him at the grocery store one day. Like, oh, you live in Atlanta? You're in production? Tyler Perry's there. He's giving out jobs. That's not how it works. <laughs> I have a very beautiful resume and much like a lot of experience, but that doesn't happen for everyone. There are millions of people here in Atlanta. Mm. Tyler Perry don't know me. He's not giving me a job. <laughs> wow. But if you're listening, let me Tyler not say that. If he wants to write a check, <laughs> if you're listening, I, I will take a check. Right. We, we will manifest you running into Tyler Perry at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Or the airport. You know. Anywhere. The airport. <laughs> so that's a good segue into, you know, you're, you have many talents. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, whenever you see the future of Georgia Dawkins, what do you think is the future? Like, is is there anything specific that you're trying to focus on? maybe comedy or production or just keep doing it all. Oh, Derek, you're going to make me cry. Okay. Oh. Don't ask me these questions. I'm, I'm 24 hours removed from therapy. So we, we talk about this every two weeks. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> but what, what I see is like, I, this is like, I don't know everything. Okay. I'm yeah. really building it as I go, but I would love to be, a producer slash comedy writer slash host. That's who I am. It's what I do anyway. It's what I've always done. It's probably what I was doing when you met me. I was producing. When Whenever you meet me somewhere, like if you've never met me before, whenever you meet me, you're going to meet me as a host. You're going to meet me as a producer or you're going to meet me as a comedian. And I just want to continue to build on that, you know, on, on a larger level. Like, I, I don't really know yet like the picture's coming into focus for me all I can see is like the next step and the Mm -hmm. next step for me I've been doing comedy for three years now the next step for me is producing 
a digital special. I am a producer first. So I have already booked the location and the production and uh, the, the cast of comedians who are also going to perform. But I'm also going to tape something for myself. And I'm doing that on faith. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. I don't know what that's going to lead to, but I really believe that my heart, hard work over these last three years is going to like lead to something. And if nothing else, it's going to inspire somebody else to go do that thing that they've been writing on their vision board every year. Every year they make a resolution that they're going to, you know, try this thing or start comedy. That's how my podcast started. It started on my vision board. I talked about it for a whole year, got a logo made and everything. And I, I didn't launch the podcast until a year later. I just kept talking about it. And what good does that mm-hmm. do me? I could have already done it. I could have had a year's worth of experience. And now I have four because four years ago, I said, I'm finally going to do it. And three years ago, I said, I'm finally going to do stand-up comedy. And I haven't stopped. I love it. You're inspiring. Yeah. I wasn't expecting a heart-to-heart over wine. I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to me. I'm like, what do you normally talk about over wine? You don't talk about your vision board over wine usually? So emo. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned having faith and i know that you talk a lot about your faith you know i've seen you talk about your faith a lot in um your reels and stories and stuff so i'm kind of curious you know how because i know that your faith is really important to you so how does that kind of navigate you know your life and your career um i would say that it's changed a lot um thank you for mentioning that because i actually stopped talking about faith as much on social media because I can kind of, it's, it's like walking into a church as a gay person for the first time and feeling all the stares. Um, mm-hmm. While I'm not doing it for the first time, I felt like now that I'm, I'm more out as a, a Black queer woman, that people would not be able to accept my messages about faith. There are a lot of people who's probably scroll by right now because they're like, oh, she's gay now. <laughs> um, she no longer knows God. She's delusional. And so my faith is really important to me because it doesn't matter where I've been in my life or in my career. I haven't been to a church in more than two years at this point. That's the longest I've ever gone without going to church. I still have faith because God is omnipresent. He's literally everywhere. They're literally everywhere. God is all of these things. So I'm grateful for faith and spirituality. So on those days when I feel disconnected from the world, from the people closest to me, I can still feel that comforting spirit. You know, I, I can still feel that strength. That's not mine. That's not mine. I can't explain it. So I'm grateful for faith and I'm, I'm grateful that God still feels like talking to me. <laughs> I did notice that you hadn't been talking about it as much. And that's curious why I, I understand why um because you know i grew up christian i grew up in baton rouge louisiana went to a christian school from like fifth grade to 12th grade you know so very much exposed to it and then immediately whenever i came out felt very outcasted and like not belonging you know so i feel like there is kind of that tension you know between like queer Christians and the church, like 
I'm I'm just curious to see how that unfolds over, you know, the next few decades, because there's definitely strides in that regard, right? Um, we are seeing churches be more open to it, but good Lord, there's a long way to go. So yeah, it's it's changed. Um, but God doesn't change. So there you that's go. the best part. There you go. Holly, your turn. I feel like I've been hogging the mic. <laughs> um, I mean, really, we talked about the production. We didn't really talk too much about your book, which I'm really curious about. Um, you said you wrote it like in eight days. So tell us more about that. Yeah, my first book is uh, Everybody Knows the Power of Being in Position. It's the story of hope, uh, redemption, and spirituality. It's actually the first time that I started to, you know, write openly about my faith and mm -hmm. my media career, as well as comedy. People who read my book often say it's it's comedic and cathartic, that they go from laughing to crying, back to laughing, back to crying. I was <laughs> like, that's me. That's that's me in a nutshell. Um, so I feel like anybody who's read my book and seen me naked, um, it's very <laughs> vulnerable. It's very vulnerable. Like, I literally took my manuscript to my therapist after those nine days. Um, I wrote it in eight days, but I went away for nine on a writing retreat. Um, oh, it was cool. the most beautiful experience. Yeah, I put it together myself. I just, at the time, I was having these panic attacks uh, and nightmares. And I do believe that that was a way that God was getting my attention, that I was in a place that was no longer comfortable or safe for me. Um, and for me, it was, it was um, you know, where I worked, you know, full time. I was having take, taking a toll on my mental health. And this happened to be at the talk show that I helped create and develop. And so when I heard God tell me to walk away from that, I really struggled. I really struggled with who yeah. am I if I'm not a producer on a, on a national show? That's been my identity. And so it was in that moment that God told me that I'm more than a television producer, that I'm a purpose producer. And so that's where Purpose Producer started as I was writing the book. And so I'm proud. That's my proudest work because it's the first thing that I created that I owned in my career as a journalist. I'm tasked with telling other people's stories and being fair and balanced and making sure I get the whole truth and, you know, reporting that to a community. This was the first time I told my truth, you know, and I had to, you know, just put it all out there. Wow. I had no idea you had a book. I'm going to go buy it and read it. <laughs> I know. I it looks like you that. can buy signed copies on the website. Okay. Thank you, Holly. Thank you for going to the website. Girl, yeah, I was I like, really, ooh, signed copy. <laughs> As a small business owner, I really struggle uh, with the marketing of everything. And so yeah. a lot of times when you run your own business, you're also the marketing department and you, you are the finance department and you are the C-suite and that can be a lot of pressure. So my website is a place where I feel like really vulnerable because I put it together. So for you to go there. It's beautiful. I mean, it is. It's working. It's working. <laughs> Your website is, I can't believe you did it. It's so it nice. Great. Yeah. Uh, but I can relate. It's so interesting that you talked about that. Like, I mean, I think writing is so cathartic even if you're not planning to, you know, publish it or in like you talking about the nightmares, like, wow, I can relate. I can relate so much to everything you're saying, which. Have you had panic attacks before? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I, it feels like you're in like this vortex of like emotions and 
Oh, what was it like for you? Yeah, I the nightmares is something that like I've I really haven't even shared with many people. I've I've told Derek about it. Like I have had nightmares for the better part of the last 10 years. Um really vivid nightmares sometimes like where I wake up and I don't I'm too scared to go back to sleep. Um sometimes there's clear messages in the in the nightmares and I went to therapy like at first when it was happening because I was like this is like ruining my life. <laughs> like I can't sleep and these nightmares are so vivid and that helped for a while but then during the pandemic I felt like all the work I had done prior just went like crashing back down and now I'm on like a new sleep journey and just like a journey overall with like understanding the alignment with my life kind of like what you were saying which I think a lot of people can relate to thinking one thing is your dream job or your dream career and then getting that and seeing that it's not like and I feel like that is such a I don't even want to say disappointment because it seems like there should be a bigger word for what it feels like, because it's just like, wow, that's something you may have dreamed about like your whole life. And then you get there and you're like, okay, this, this ain't it. Like, but I think a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, talk about it. I think when we have those nightmares or panic attacks, and for me right now, it's insomnia that our bodies are trying to tell us something and you have to listen. Some of us are up at 3 (laughs) a.m. because we just woke up or because we've been up all day. Um, And so whatever that is, like that's the time to get quiet and, you know, put your discernment muscle to, to the test. And, and also there was a time where I had to, a period of forgiveness. It took me years to get to this point where I had to, I forgave myself because I felt like I abandoned something. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. I felt like I created a monster. I created a platform that was so good to everybody else and helped launch other people's careers or reignite people's careers. it, It was very lucrative for them. And I was miserable. I was miserable and nobody could see that. And it was a very, very lonely time. I'm going to stop talking now because the wine is in my throat. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know that this podcast is also a therapy session. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no. I mean, we can all relate to that. I don't, I don't know if you know a whole lot about my story, Georgia, but I went from... Testify, Derek. spending a decade in corporate america and hr you know that kind of like holly was saying like that's what i thought was my career goal um and you know the pandemic really shifted things for a lot of people and i was one of them talk about you know panic attacks and stuff i started lexapro in 2020 that was a big change for me (laughs) congrats congrats (laughs) thank you um but yeah that's whenever i did my yoga teacher training and that just like opened my eyes to like no this like i'm just spending so much time in this negative space and Mm. never in my life have i not had a job like since i was 16 like never and you know they pissed me off enough and it was just time to go and i just dropped it and started the studio and i've since come back to work you know because we have bills to pay but thankfully where i am now i'm still in hr i'm more on the recruiting side recruiting and diversity 
And the company I work for is a lot more positive space. So thankfully I've found that balance, but having the studio has been, you know, very life-changing for me because I mean, we all just want to have purpose, right? I mean, the purpose producer. I mean, come on. <laughs> so wow. I would say that's what comedy has been for me. What yoga was for you is that that breath go. of fresh air. It's the first place where I could be my whole self. Because in church, I could be a little preacher, <laughs> singer. I, I was acting in church. I was doing it. I'm talking as a teenager. I was running ministries, okay? I'm a boss mm-hmm. for the Lord, all right? <laughs> <And> so <laughs> that was very fulfilling, but I, I, I couldn't be my whole self there. And then I would go to work and I work in production and everybody's a personality. Everybody, you know, a lot of egos. I can be myself there, but not too much. Not so much to overshadow the other ego. So there was really no place for me to be my full self until comedy. I was like, wait a minute. Everything that makes me other makes me a better comedian. Mm -hmm. There are not a lot of, you know, you might know some Black female comics, but I'm telling you, I'm in these rooms now in Atlanta, and there are not a lot of us. And we do, Mm -hmm. we stick together because there are not a lot of us. Um, And I'm gay, okay? (laughs) And that... (laughs) That makes me the best diversity hire ever. And also, a great <laughs> um, you know, and so all those differences are, are the thing that that makes me unique on this platform. I get to be my whole self. So I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I live long enough to see this because there, there were some go. times where I didn't think I would. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> Speaking of humor, whenever you sent us a list of topics that you were interested in talking about, I loved that you put using humor to navigate life. Um, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think it's exactly what um, what I, I just what I just said about comedy being that breath of fresh air. It's helped me yeah. navigate life. It helps me show up more confident in other rooms, not just on stage. It helps me own my story as well, like with authority. You can always tell the comics who don't have conviction in what they've written or when it's just just for laughs and it's not real. The best compliment I ever got on my work is that my jokes are pure. Mm. What? No one's ever said that about me. I'm not a virgin. (laughs) 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 But that, that meant so much to me because I'm a... It reminded me that I'm authentic here. I could be all of all of me here. And so when I say, you know, comedy or humor is a way to to navigate life, it's been exactly that. I can't talk about something on stage without taking it to therapy, without that topic working its way through me. And you got to think about how words have power. The thing that you talk about all the time is like the thing that you're going to manifest. And for me, it's the thing that I'm healing from. I am talking about some of the darkest times in my life with a punchline. You know, Mm -hmm. that is hard to do, to get to the point where you can now laugh at the thing that almost took you out, that had you crawl into a cave or under the bed or had you not open the blinds for months, whatever that thing was, to be able to take it and repurpose it and make it humor, that's a tool. That's a tool for navigating life. Yeah, it is. I mean, to me, comedy is so therapeutic. And, you know, there's a lot of science behind that that backs it up. Like laughing is healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love whenever I find a comic that I enjoy, because I kind of like you said, there's not a lot of female comics 
in general and especially black female comics because uh, i just can't stand like you know straight white dudes i'm like that's not the comedy i want um so whenever i find you know diverse comics it's just such a breath of fresh air that we keep coming back to um like i i'm so blanking on her name but she's a popular um asian comedian not margaret cho um, yeah I remember whenever yeah. I discovered her, it was probably like a Netflix special or something. Like it was just dying at home on the couch. I was like, Wesley, what is this? She's so funny. And that was probably one of the Sorry. first times that I like enjoyed comet comedy because I had just been like, you know, shoved all of these white straight males. And I was like, what is this crap? And so mm -hmm. it was it was nice to to open my eyes to more diverse comedy. So keep it up. I it think it's interesting what you say about you know, having conviction and really making your, your comedy, like stuff that is personal to you and stuff that you work through, because how many times have we all seen videos of comedians that are just starting out and it's hilarious, but once they go big or once they get that second special, not so funny. <laughs> Let me tell you, the people on YouTube do not think I'm funny. Okay. <laughs> it, it, I post videos over there and they're like, you're gay. Oh God, like they don't think that's funny at all. But I'm like laughing my way through it because I've been in the closet most of my life. I just got out here. Well, not just, I came out 10 years ago. But, um, you know, everybody doesn't think I'm funny and that's okay. I'm having yeah. a great time. I'm having a great time. And so I told myself as it pertains to comedy, I'm going to do it as long as I'm having fun. And at the point that I'm no longer having fun, then it's time to move on. And that's kind of yeah. what happened with me in news. News was great for 10 years. And then I was like, mm -mm, something's not, something's not right here. I can't be my full self here. And I just don't think that life that we were given this life to be in a box. Yeah. Great. I love that. Man, now now we've all been to church at this point. Whew. We have, yeah. Y'all cash um, at me that collection plate. Okay. <laughs> you so silly. You talk about YouTube comments. I uh I I I'm working on my YouTube game. Um, but I do have a number of videos out there for the studio. <laughs> I don't get many comments, but one person commented recently and said, this is disgusting. <laughs> Thank you, like literally demonstrating how to do a yoga pose. And so I went and looked at his profile. And of course, he's like, you know, a very like, a straight, straight white guy. No, um, a straight I'm white guy with a lot of personal. ideas. Yeah. People are so people that they will create a <laughs> fake account just to just to troll you. So, yeah, for real. Hey, when the, when the haters are on your account, that's when you made it. There you go. I was like, thanks yeah. for watching. You watch. Thanks for you watching. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I guess last question would be, Holly, you wrote this one. So, so you take that one, the one at the very bottom. Yeah. Well, on your website, it says... Um, that you're like when it, I think it's where you're talking about your business offerings that you're, you can help others like create content to help people heal. And I was curious, uh, like just understanding what that is. And then if you had a thought about sort of just the future of 
like content and content creation because I feel like we're kind of at an interesting spot right now. Like we're we we're all well aware of you know, the content space, the social media space, the good parts, the bad parts. And I feel like we're kind of getting to this like crossroads with it where it's like, okay, you know, all the buzz has been about the the chat GPT and like, are we going to move forward with that? So I'm just curious, like what your thoughts on what a, a two-part question, a, what is content to help people heal? And then what do you think about the future of like content creation? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, my approach to content is very positive. As I said, I worked in news for 10 years and I wrote a lot of dark things like body found, death investigation, fatal crash every single day. That th- Those things stick with you and they weigh on your subconscious. And, you know, there's no way you can't you know, take that home, right? So what I do through Georgia Dawkins Media is I help people create content that cuts through the noise. And I think that the best way to cut through the noise is to create positive content. And I think by being authentic in that content that we're helping people heal. If I wasn't being my full self in my comedy or uh, even, you know, the spiritual videos that Derek referenced, like that, that there's no conviction in that. Nobody believes that. That's not going to help anybody heal. That is high fructose corn syrup on a timeline. There's no nutrition in that. And so I want people to feel like they ate something, something good when they when they see my content. I want to make sure they they feel like, well, I can't make sure that, but my hope is that they feel like they got something nutritional, something hearty, and something that made them feel better than they did before they watched it. I love that. What about part two, the future of content? Yeah, I think I think we got to cut through the noise. It's overwhelming. I think it's definitely oversaturated. Um, I yeah. often delete TikTok from my phone. I can't mm-hmm. part with Instagram, um, but I'll have to take it off because I'll find myself on there for hours and hours, you know, no pun on that, but I can just be there forever and I don't feel better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel better. I feel like I went to work for two hours and I watched all these people's content and they got paid for the views that I just gave them. And I still feel empty. I mm-hmm. still feel unfulfilled. And so I feel like we need more authenticity. We we need less trends and more original content. Well, oh, I, mm, I love take. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I know for me, like, because social media has had such a, I, I worked in social media for some time and now I, I really try to avoid that type of work because I, I do not enjoy it. And mm-hmm. during the pandemic, I took a big audit of my social media. Like, how am I spending my time? And exactly what you said, how do I feel when I close the app? And it's like, if I don't feel good, I'm, I need to either delete the app or change something about it. And for Instagram, I removed over 200 people that I was following that I was like, they post fake stuff, exactly what you're saying. But like, now I follow more positive accounts on Instagram. And I personally, I still love Pinterest. I know that Pinterest is not as popular, but I get so many ideas and feel creative energy from Pinterest that like, I feel good when I close the app. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I definitely hope, hope you're right. I think we have to make newsletters great again. Um, <laughs> that's how I keep up <laughs> with my audience. I know that if you subscribe to my website, that you really care about me. 
I don't send that many emails, but you have now committed. Thank you so much to keeping up with me. And that means the world to me. Those, you know, few hundred subscribers that I have mean as much to me, if not more to me than the the thousands of 7,000 following me on Instagram. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's, it's like, it's that core audience. It's what's real. And the audience is what travels. The audience moves with you from platform to platform for all the creators. The followers sometimes only follow you on that platform. You want to build an audience. You don't want an audience of just followers. You want an audience of people who really believe in you. Yeah. Engaged. I love that. Wow. Okay, so where can people engage with you? You can engage with me on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I, I post most of my content on Instagram uh, as well as my YouTube channel. So I'm at Georgia Dawkins on Instagram or at The Purpose Producer. Go ahead and follow both accounts. Um, you'll probably get more comedy from the Georgia Dawkins account and more purpose, more wholesome content from The Purpose Producer. Um, and please, please definitely subscribe to georgiadawkins.com. I teach courses. I teach people how to develop content, how to develop uh, co- video strategies for their content, i.e. this podcast. Okay. Uh, I'll show you how to grow your audience by continuing that conversation by giving them a little bit at a time, but you got to have a plan for that. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening and thank you for, for having me. Yeah. Of course. It was such a pleasure. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that you were hoping to talk about? No, y'all actually asked me about stuff I didn't want you to talk about. <laughs> no, but I no, I feel like we we covered everything. I talked a little bit about the the comedy special. I'm taping that on April 22nd in Atlanta, um, wow. and so it'll come out sometime in May. Um, I'll start putting That's it out so there. But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. I can't wait. And I get to That's bring so my cool. friends along for the ride. Yeah, I love it. Well, it was nice to have an excuse to see you and keep us posted on your Austin adventures next week. Because it's, it's hard. As a we white all man, to... thank you for doing your part. Honestly. <laughs> thank you so much for bringing my black gay ass on the show. You're welcome. <laughs> it's my honor. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at orangejulias 7 also on thebitterlemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you? So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga with Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour. Or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.